Last time on the Kaiju Apostle Podcast. Can we talk about the fact that King Kong apparently swims from the North Pole to Tokyo in like the matter of hours? Yeah, he swims at the speed of plot. It's like the Shrek of the Godzilla films. (laughs) Wait, what? Some of my cheeks are moving. She's dubbed in both versions? (laughs) Oh, no. This this version of Doctor Who, not as good as David Tennant. Maybe a little bit more fun than the next Doctor, but... (laughs) (laughs) And about 20 minutes in. (laughs) Welcome back to the Kaiju Apostle Podcast. I am one of your hosts, David. And joining me, like every episode, is... The only guy I'd ever want to do a podcast with, Chris Wormskirch. How are you doing, Chris? Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, that does mean that there are a couple women that you'd want to do this podcast with. And I mean, if I could get my wife to do it, that'd actually be kind of fun. <laughs> how many How many has she seen with you? I know Jasper watches some with you. Um, She's watched a few. I mean, she's definitely not like against it by any means. Um. I would say she actually probably enjoys watching more of like the Criterion films uh, that I sat her down with. Like we watched uh, High and Low by uh, Kurosawa a few months back. She actually really liked that quite a bit. Okay, cool. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's watched a handful. I mean, enough to know that they're not her thing. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's what Jasper's for. Very true. Very true. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we're we're excited to get into this episode. Um, it's kind of weird to think, at least on my end, that we're already this far, uh, even after taking that what like three month break. Uh, but before we get into the movie itself, though, wanted to go over a couple things. So, wanted to thank Alex from uh, Monsters vs. Men for joining us again. That was definitely a really fun episode last time with King Kong Escapes. Yeah. Felt it feels like a fever dream sometimes, but glad we I'm glad we had him anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So we had a couple uh, new reviews on Apple Podcasts, and as promised, I am going to read those. I want to say on the air, but we're not a freaking radio show. Okay. <laughs> so the the first one comes from Alex Alcanter. So he actually lives here in Kansas City as well. When all this COVID crap blows over, uh, definitely plan on hanging out with him. But uh, he said, a fascinating look and insightful perspective into the kaiju films we know and love. Even if you are not religious, this podcast is quality content and worthy of your time. Very, very kind review, Alex. I give that five-star review five stars. Thank you. Look at you. (laughs) And then uh, we got another Alex, Alex Cornette, who we just talked about. One star. One star. (laughs) It's a... I did something a little bit different, though. So Monsters vs. Men, they, they're really into rhymes, right? That's why we did a rhyme for the, uh, the plot summary last week. So, Alex, uh, I promised you I would do this, and I did it. It's lit, and you know that this is it. I listen to it while I get fit. A podcast about Kaiju and God has a lot of grit. You can listen on the go or while you sit. 
David and Chris Smooth's tones are a vocal drip They're friends that never give each other a lip When I listen, I brew some coffee and take one big sip 11 out of 10 would listen again 11 out of 10 would listen again <laughs> I'm digging that. Yeah, it was it was fun. Um, so I got to give a shout out to David Renda. That song is called Done With Work. I found that on thessalianstudios.com. So what's funny is I was going through this site because they have like free lo-fi hip hop, you know, chill hop is Breach. I think what the kids call it. Um, <laughs> I was looking for beats to do this over and I found one. I was like, Ah, this is gonna be tough, but I like this song. So I downloaded the wrong song and I didn't realize it because obviously I don't know these songs by name. Totally. I throw it into uh, Reaper, my my music, you know, as DAW. Um, and I hit record and I realize it's the wrong song. I'm like, screw it. I'm just gonna do it anyway. And that was all one take. I'd never listened to this nice. song before. <laughs> nice. Now, now we've kind of you know, put out a whole album, the Kaiju Apostles Chillfy. Man, this is yeah. our project now. Yeah. So, if anyone else wants to do a review like that, I would happily find a way to keep this going. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. No. What have I done? So, before we actually get into the movie, though, I wanted to bring up something, Chris. So, I know you've had the privilege of staying out of most of the fandom interactions. Yes. Um, obviously, you've been involved to a certain capacity, and you're definitely enjoying uh, Sentai on your own. I'm a little jealous about that. One of these days, I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll join you there. But I've noticed, and this has been going on for a while, but it's ramped up a little bit. And I wanted to get your perspective on this, Chris, being probably more integrated into like the Star Wars fandom. There is a attempt to make a delineation between fans, right? So okay. you'd have the people that are considered Godzilla fans, you know, or, you know, people who are fans of the movies, you know, who the actors are, you know, who the people playing the, you know, the monsters, you're, you're familiar with the differences in composers, like people who actually, I wouldn't say actually people who appreciate the films more than the material objects that come because of the movies, right? The, the sure. toys or games or whatever the case may be. So there's the argument that that would be the more enlightened, I guess, way to approach these films. And then you have the other side, um, and this is typically portrayed very reductionistically. I don't know if that's the word, but you get the point. Um, people who complain about Godzilla vs. Kong getting delayed, people who are focused on buying toys, people who you know, only watch certain movies, right? So the, it's like this... War is being presented, and not maybe war is not the right word, but like it's Final presented war. that. Yeah, there you go. See, we're not even there, and you're already picking up stuff. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, but you know what I mean? It's 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 made out to be like there's two factions within the Godzilla fandom, and if you want to be a real fan, you may not use those words, but that's the implication, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm 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 a little guilty of that myself, and we've talked about that before. We're like I've been a little snobby with some of my film taste but i've realized that right it didn't take someone knocking me down a peg it was just like oh yeah that's not really a good look but 
I would say more than just being a little snobby about film taste because we all do that. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what's kind of if you're if you're listening to the podcast now and you feel like you've been I don't want to say a victim, but if you feel gate like kept. Yeah, if you felt gatekept, like what has been your experience in another fandom, Chris, and what's kind of your encouragement to people who feel like they're being told they're consuming media the wrong way? Does that make mm-hmm, sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, my first thing to say is if you're listening to this and you like Godzilla at all, in any respect, you're a Godzilla fan. Cool. Um, let's also talk about the fact you can do a multi-million download, uh, trillion dollar producing podcast like such as ours and not remember the name of every monster that was in this movie <laughs> and still have something to contribute, I hope. So, um yeah, so let me like let's take a step back and say so you said the two factions of Godzilla fans are people who enjoy Godzilla movies and the other faction is people who also enjoy Godzilla movies. Yeah, I I would say <laughs> I mean, and that's exactly it. It's just like the argument is well you don't do it the same way I do, therefore it's not as good. Right? Like god forbid you actually enjoy Godzilla forbid. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the figures or the comics or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. To, I mean, to be more serious about it on one hand, it's like, obviously there's that whole, like what you like dynamic mm-hmm. and that's an important, but like I've said something like this before, I'm sure on the podcast and I've said it many times on my Twitter, we don't owe any company, anything in terms of what we like or what we buy or what we, like talk about so if you don't like them all you don't like them all Mm -hmm. if you like to buy more than other people well i mean here's your gold star but your reward is the toys on your shelf it's not some mythical status as a better fan like it it seems it seems silly especially like now that godzilla has become a somewhat mainstream option and it you know maybe in 98 it was too but i was barely alive in 98 so like now, now that these movies are pretty big, they're blockbusters, like we're going to have a lot of people who like these that don't really know anything came out before the 2014 one. No one's, I mean, they might remember there's Matthew Broderick. Maybe they know there was that cartoon that was on TV, not the anime, but the, the Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They might know about that, but like when it comes down to it, I just don't see like, no one's going to congratulate you for buying more. You're not going to get like mad chicks if you get more like when it comes down to it, like why would you want to prevent yourself from the ability to make more friends and share this with more people? Mm-hmm. Like I don't see what status you gain from this. And really when it comes down to it, like I imagine a lot of us probably have pretty similar experiences of growing up liking nerdy stuff that people don't like around us and wishing we had someone with whom we could share that. Exactly. Whether romantically or platonically or friendship, friendshipally, <laughs> but, uh, but not sh- Godzilla Mothra shipily. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, this movie is full of shipping opportunities, but um, yeah, it just, when it comes down to it, it's like growing up and you like, why would you want to? If someone came up to you and said, "I like five of the movies," would you have said, "Nah"? Why does that change now that you're an adult with a Twitter account? Like, yeah, don't. 
no one's going to think, like I said, no one's going to think you're cooler. The satisfaction is in the stuff that you like. And if you're not set, if you're buying everything, you're watching everything and you're not satisfied, like maybe take back and reevaluate that. But like do what do what you do to make you happy. But um, like don't hurt someone doing it. And if you're really hurting someone doing it, like what's the point? Like you're just being a bully yourself. That's true. That's true. And, you know, to clarify, when you're saying, you know, buying stuff, no one's going to give you a gold star or whatever. I mean, you're referring in general, not just the people who buy the toys. It could be the people because, I mean, there's people who focus on collecting the movies, right? You know, they, they they love the movies, but they're buying every copy of the VHS they can find. They want every version of the DVD and the Blu-ray. And it's just like at the end of the day, you're right. You know, when I was in high school and I enjoyed what I enjoyed, I wouldn't have turned someone away if we didn't have the same exact taste. If we were on common ground, because, yeah, I used to get picked on in high school. I also used to pick on people, right? So that right. that's one of those things where I I think for myself, I started realizing, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the kind of stuff that I tried to get away from after high school, realizing who I was, right? Because like, mm-hmm. I was that weird guy that was in band what? and choir. Well, the show choir band. You know, I was in a couple different bands, but then I was also in sports, right? I was also, you know, in... It, it, I was just kind of all over the place. So it put me in a weird position of like, I was friends with the nerds, I was friends with the jocks, I was friends with the preps, I was friends with the, the really everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was in a metalcore band, right? So yeah, it was kind of all over the place. So all that said, I just, I, I'm really struggling with the idea that we're trying to tell people that they're media consuming the wrong way when we ourselves are subjecting ourselves to a capitalistic system in which we consume movies that were made to generate money. Mm -hmm. Right. I think at this point we've realized in these films that it's not about presenting a message anymore. Obviously there's an attempt to do that, but that's, that's not why the films are being made the same way it was in the beginning. Now it's made because they realize monsters get butts and seats, you know? Yeah, and it really like there's some there's some interesting discussions I think you can have, and I I kind of fall in this trap all the time because any any Star Wars release, it it's I probably already got it pre ordered right, mm-hmm. so I have no discernment when it comes to what I buy, but then I'll whine and complain if I don't like something, um, but I've already bought it, so Disney and Lucasfilm have my money, so it's the same thing like with Godzilla like. You want to talk about the quality of the movies, but you're buying everything, your butts in the seat day of, and then you're going to tell someone else they're doing it wrong. Yeah. I don't know. It would, it would really be served well if we all kind of took stock of what we were doing and how we were engaging with the media. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, we don't owe Legendary or whoever anything when it comes to our allegiance, when it comes to us buying something. Day one, if I mean, if whenever King Kong versus Godzilla comes out and you want to send a message about you didn't like how it's handled or marketed, the trailer took too long. The only way you can vote with your dollars. So I don't know. There's there's a lot of things that we could all just each individual fan can take stock of. But the only person's consumption you can control is your own. And the only person's consumption you should really spend more than 10 minutes worrying about is your own. Exactly. And something I thought about too, and this will be the final thought, is you're 
your taste and things develop over time. And I know I've brought that up several, several times, especially in regards to Star Wars, right? I used to hate the prequels. I realized how much I had allowed other people to inform my opinion of that. Now, I like two of them. I still think Attack of the Clones is a hot mess, right? But as a whole, I enjoy the prequels because I developed my own tastes and opinions, but it took some time. So if you're taking this approach of, well, uh, you know, I can't believe you don't like these movies, blah, blah, blah. You don't know how that person's going to feel in a month, a year, five years, right? But I can tell you if you're going to be a dick about it, you're definitely going to discourage them from pursuing it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so unless what you're saying, unless we're enjoying something at the cost of others' well-being, there's really no point of trying to police it. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you you really just kind of have to come down to the thought that someone's first interaction with the franchise could have been anything. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not even just, I don't think this is, it is statistics, but like, any Godzilla movie was someone's first. Yep. There's not one that like no one saw that one first. People's first movie could be 98 and they love it or um, Son of Godzilla and they love it. And they're like, yeah, it's bad, but it got me into it. Why? Why would you want it to be like, no, hop on out. That's the wrong one. You like the wrong thing. And then deny legendary $10 to make a, a Invasion of the Astro Monsters 2 in 2027. At the rate that it's going now. Like, if you want more content, more fans is the way to do it. And if you want better content, more conversations, more discerning critiques are the way to do that, too. Like, unless you want everything to be the same, then keep gatekeeping and keeping all the fresh blood out. But as it stands, like, there's nothing bad that new fans can really do. If all they're doing is enjoying the films for their own sake and not hurting people. Exactly. But now you've got me thinking if they did redo Invasion of Astro Monster, who they would cast as Glenn. So I'm going to share my thought at the end. That gives you a chance to think about it, Chris. And we want to hear from y'all who you would cast as Glenn in the new Invasion of Astro Monster. You got that scoop from us. All right. <laughs> so we are discussing 1968's Destroy All Monsters. This is the big, bad brawl of them all. And uh, I'm really curious to hear Chris's thoughts on this movie. So going through the cast and staff, or we're actually just going staff nowadays. um, Ishiro Honda was director. Uh, So this is one of the first, if not the first film that Ishiro Honda is listed as a writer. I think that's kind of interesting. And alongside him is Kero Mabuchi, which was really Takeshi Kimura. Uh, If you remember, Chris, he was not proud to put his name on any of these films. I think it was after Matango, Hmm. um, but I just always did Kimura anyway, because that's the name people recognize. Sure. Producer was Tomoyuki Tanaka. Surprise. Uh, Music, Akira Ifakube. Cinematography was Taichi Kankura. And then special effects. uh, This was uh, by Sadamasa Arikawa again. And then uh, Iji Tsuburaya was the supervisor. Um, and we'll get into some context there regarding Subaraya. So plot summary, it's the year 1999, but things are looking suspiciously like 1968. <laughs> Somehow the world has created Monster Island, where all of the world's kaiju are living together harmoniously, even those who were once Godzilla's enemies, such as Anguirus and Kumonga. 
When a band of slug-like aliens take control of the scientists on Monster Island, along with the monsters, and set them loose on the world, our protagonists must figure out how to save humanity, and Godzilla as well. Captain Yamabe, played by the standout Akira Kubo, goes to the moon, destroys the Keylock base, and frees the monsters from their control. However, the Keylocks deploy their secret weapon, King Ghidorah! <laughs> and, well, we know where it goes from there. All right. So, a little bit of trivia. We kind of discussed this on Twitter, uh, and we'll get into that on the poll, but there were actually supposed to be more monsters in the movie. They had talked about doing, uh, I think, one of the gargantuas. I can't remember which one, um, but in the poll, I put both. Uh, Ebra was talked about to be in this film. Um, they had talked about Kamakuras, and then there was rumors about Kong as well. But obviously, we didn't see any of those show up. Show up. Oh, man, you're just zingers <laughs> left and right. I love it. So this movie is presumed to be the final in the franchise, and what a better one to tie them all together. However, despite a more mature script, the movie actually sold less in tickets than Invasion of Astro Monster and Ebra. It barely outsold Son of Godzilla by like maybe 100,000 tickets. So not a whole lot. This is the first time someone apart from Sekizawa wrote a script for a Godzilla movie since Godzilla Raids Again. Hmm. It hasn't seemed like that because we've talked about all the other right, films, right. right? But if we would have just done Godzilla films, this would have been the first non-Sekizawa sure. script. Okay. Um, so I mentioned bringing up Subaraya. So at this point, Subaraya's health was just deteriorating. I think he ended up passing away a year or two after this. Um, and yeah, this was uh, uh, Arakawa took over from here on out. Well, yeah, so Arakawa took up, took over the film because Subaraya couldn't do it. Um, so I got all that from David Klatt's book. And then going into the Honda biography, um, the cinematographer before this was uh, Hajime Koizumi. I'm sure you recognize that name, Chris. Mm -hmm. But he had stepped down from the movies to start working with Subaraya and Ultra Q. He did a few episodes there. And then he stopped doing movies in general after King Kong escapes. So we see an exodus of creatives going from movies to TV because that was the big thing at the point. So I'm going to drop this on you now without an ability to look it up. Um, does does this being the final movie in the, you know, the presumed final movie in the franchise, is this like because the creatives are exiting or the creatives were exiting because it was already decided? Like, is this a chicken or egg thing? Do you know? And if you don't, Twitter does. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not gonna put my foot in my mouth. Um, I went on a long walk today, and that'd be really gross. But <laughs> yeah, there, I'm sure there'll be someone who will share that with us, and we will read that next time. So I I will say, from what I've gathered, though, it would have been people were leaving before this was the final one. Okay, so it's just. TV is where it's at. So the poll for this movie is Destroy All Monsters may have had the majority of the Toho Kaiju to this point, but if you were left out, which of the following would you have liked to see? So Maguma was one of them, and that is a giant walrus that was in the movie Gorath, and he's literally in the movie for like 10 seconds. Um, Ebera, Sanda and Gaira, and then Kamakuras. I left Kong out because that would have been kind of an easy, easy win there. Mm -hmm. And 45% uh, of the votes went to Sand and Gaira. I was actually surprised that uh, Maguma getting 164 
percent. I didn't even think he was that popular. So <laughs> go figure. Is it popularity or just that people wanted a chance to get a different one in there? Nah, I don't know. That's a good point. If you're a Maguma stand, let us know. We'd love to hear about that. And who you ship a Maguma with. Mm, I've got a few ideas. <laughs> Cuckoo kachoo. So we actually did two Twitter discussion threads this week. Um, the first one I am going to reword because my grammar was atrocious in the original post. So Destroy All Monsters is a movie I loved as a kid and I still enjoy. However, now that I've grown to appreciate the human elements more, do you find that the movie delivers on both fronts or does the plot suffer from monster bloat? So got a couple comments here. Uh, Dan Hartles, the guy who designed our logo, said, not bloat when the film is goat. <laughs> I don't uh, remember Kyle, goat in the movie. <laughs> I do remember it goat in Palm Springs, though. <laughs> I was still surprised at how good that movie was. I'm glad I watched it. Uh, I believe it would have been Kyle Yount of Kaiju Cast. I'm assuming he's the only one who runs the uh, the Twitter account, but it was good to see a show up. That Their comment was, the plot suffers, but not due to the number of kaiju. Still a freaking classic. For the record, Chris, Kaiju Cast is like the grandfather of all kaiju podcasts. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Kaiju Cast. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Grandpa. Thanks, Gramps. And then uh, I paid for that said, it's sadly one of my least favorite Godzilla films. And I noticed he did a U in there. I don't know if he's from Canada. Uh, mostly because of the complete lack of personality in any of the human characters. The spectacle of the film is impressive, but I'll take Invasion of Astro Monster and Final Wars over this one. Before we move on, I'm going to... I don't agree with that. I think there is a lot of personality in the characters, especially Kenji Sahara's character. Um, I just remember the part where they're in the space station and he's talking about not rushing and he's more worried about drinking coffee. I don't know. I thought that was pretty funny. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're going to pick a fight with our presumed Canadian listener and they're just going to end up apologizing and it's going to be kind of awkward. Yeah. And then we're going to find out he's actually from like... England, by yeah, first I was assumption, say Michigan or something, you know, close <laughs> to Canada, uh, but not quite <laughs> where the U trickled down. But <laughs> and then uh, second post was Destroy All Monsters was planned to be the final movie in the Godzilla franchise. But as we all know, that was not to be the big man's fate. If you would have been the one in charge, what would you view? What the bit, but that bit, but that. If you would have been the one in charge, what would you have done with this last movie and why? And I tried to clarify. I don't I wasn't expecting people to like fix the movie. I was expecting people to come up with fresh ideas. Um, which We're we not saying you failed if you just fix the movie, but we are saying, well, less interested. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> it was horrible. That was horrible. Okay. <laughs> So I grabbed a couple tweets as well for this one. Uh, Alex, man, this is the third time I brought you up. I've almost got a crush on you or something. Uh, Alex from Monsters vs. Men said, Sacrifice Minya for the greater good. We've stricken his episode from the uh, lineup for saying that. <laughs> William of Space Tree Studio said, The title is literal. They disembowel Godzilla and light Mothra on fire. Nathan Marchand wrote, I think the monster elements are fine, but I would have expanded on the characters a bit more, give them more personality. And then James Allen Tadri, this, I loved his tweets here. So this is two, because there's no way he could have fit this into one tweet. <laughs> but I think he actually would have brought something out that would have made the movie a lot better. So 
I love the film as it is, but I've always disliked the fire dragon fake out at the end. I would have changed that into an actual new creature called upon when Ghidorah starts to struggle instead of after his death. Now, this is what I thought was really good. I also wouldn't have made Mothra a pawn of the Keelocks. Actually, I've always disliked that Mothra was even on Monster Island. Where were the Shobijin? What about Infant Island? I would have had the twins involved, sending Mothra to help but be overwhelmed in Tokyo, leading to her returning in adult form to help in the climactic fight. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea, too. That's the first time I've heard it. But um, yeah, me too. Me too. I, I, I even like the idea of the new monster at the end. It did feel uh, superfluous to add one more fake out at the end, especially considering how many monsters we had seen. Ooh, but, are we starting Chris thoughts? Maybe. Um, do it. Do it. It is, it is interesting, though, because this was something that we had discussed for my brief respite from the room you locked me in between podcast recordings that uh, we are starting to lose some of the symbolism that some of the monsters have carried before. And that's a really good point. I hadn't even thought about Mothra because I don't think about her often unless I'm shipping. But it is interesting. Like all of the context that we've had for Mothra is just kind of gone now. And a lot of what made Mothra such a compelling antagonist, protagonist, however you want to frame her, um, was like the context of the Shobijin and the Infant Island narrative. So yeah. I wonder, I mean, it's, I'm, you know, David, I, I don't think you came up with this, but when you've described this to me as like the Avengers of the Godzilla franchise, it, it's, it's actually a little more apt now the more I think about it. Cause like in Avengers, you, like think about the Thor movies, the Hulk movie and the Iron Man movie, they're all kind of their own individual type of movie. Like the first two Thors were Lord of the Rings light, kind of boring pseudo fantasy. You've got like, don't you dare slander the first Thor like that. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm just saying, <laughs> but in like, or even thinking about some movies like uh, in the MCU, like Ant-Man being a pretty good comedy guardians of the galaxy being a, uh, overrated comedy. Um, wow. set in space uh, <laughs> like but all that get, does get flattened to put it in the avengers movies to make him just yeah. kind of a blockbuster so yeah it is it is interesting i think that's a great point that mothra does lose a lot of her personality that was baked into her from the first couple of movies so actually i appreciate that one a lot yeah and that that was actually my thought is you're you're bringing all of these complex monsters and you're right you're just flattening the excuse me you're just flattening them out in order to have this big brawl, right? Because um, that was one of the things that was brought up in the biography where, you know, Toho told Honda and everyone else, you know, there's really just one requirement for this movie is show all of the monsters. And first of all, we didn't get all the monsters, but the point remains like that's what the movie was set to do was just to have this big monster extravaganza, right? So do you feel like the movie worked for you, though? Because for a lot of us, we have that nostalgia, right? I mean, I, mm -hmm. I'm one of the, I wouldn't say one of the few, but, you know, I can actually say, like, the first Godzilla movie I remember watching was the original, or I guess the 19, you know, the, the, re, the American redux of the Yeah, the 98 original. version. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> so, you know, I, that's where I started, but I remember Destroy All Monsters being one of my favorites as a kid because it had all of the monsters. I mean, that's all I wanted. 
right? Mm -hmm. So for you though, you don't have that nostalgia to prop it up. So yeah, did the did the movie work for you? Yeah, and the fact that I have to put qualifiers in front of what I'm about to say already is going to hint prefigure where I'm going to go with this discussion. But there are a couple of qualifiers that I would put in on this. And that is being that I've, I watched this movie in a completely different context than most will. So, like, I imagine growing up, there was a lot of, well, whichever movie you get on VHS from wherever you bought VHS is from. Uh, a lot of it would be like whatever showed up on TV and it's the American subs. So I could see why seeing them all in the same movie is like a really cool, like something that would be mind blowing as a kid. Or if you've been watching these movies for 20 years, I could see why it'd be mind blowing to see this all finally come together. Like I know how cool Avengers was and that was only four years of movies kind of coming together. Right. Mm-hmm. So that being said, I'm watching these at a fairly decent clip of bi-weekly. So, but getting to this one now, I'm like, oh, I, I just saw this one four weeks ago. I just saw this one six weeks ago. So I think I think some of the effect was a little lost. And yeah. I think the fact that it like, again, to pull back to Avengers, when Inf- Infinity War does the same thing, it kind of like says, I've seen the last movie and we kind of like parts of it, but we're only going to take some of it forward. I am a little more aware of some of the stuff that's lost of this coming together. So on that end, I appreciate it for what it's worth. I appreciate what it's trying to do. Uh, but a little bit was lost on me. I can't I can't deny that. Especially yeah. as um, as I'm watching more Sentai, Power Rangers, Godzilla, Godzilla adjacent movies. Like the monster fights are like cool. I can I can see that this one was really well done and I appreciated the model work and some of the effects. But it's not really why I'm in what what I'm in for anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, it's even why if Cloverfield was a better movie, that would be kind of the thought I'd be looking for again with uh, monster. You kind of know what it looks like. It's kind of there sometimes, but it's more about the humans. But yep. I don't think this one left the humans. And there's I don't know if I would say that they're personality less. I walked away not sure like with my normal I don't remember who was who I can remember what the characters were and did and said but um, none of them really stick out but in terms of like what it could have been it could have just been a boring long fight scene not a single human and I'm sure it would have done fine I'm sure people would have enjoyed that so I did find that there was a good human element that I that I did appreciate and um, so yeah I I would put it um Pretty well. I can see why it's so popular, but I think some of it was lost on me a little. Yeah. And, you know, if you need to yell at me, at Chris Worms. (laughs) Come at me, haters. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, it's not really a movie I've soured on, but I think the appeal as I get older has been lost on me. Um, And that's just largely because, again, I'm, I'm the same way, you know, what you're saying about why do I come to these movies, right? When I'm watching it with my son, of course, I want to watch something that's going to keep him engaged. But overall, if I'm going to watch a movie, I want it to be something that's going to, nine times out of 10, intellectually stimulate me, right? Now, there's times I want to turn my brain off, right? But it's just there's a point where I'm like, I have all these movies to choose from 
this isn't really one that's going to be high up on my list. And I, I, I really wondered, and this is where we'll get into the meat of the discussion, you know, is this movie just about the monsters, right? Because that's typically mm-hmm. the only thing I ever hear people talk about is, well, it's monsters, monsters, fighting. But, you know, th- there's always a context, right? We've, we've learned that. This is why the podcast exists is because we're able to dive deeper. I'm like vomiting every time I say that now. I'm trying to find a new phrase. Um, but, you know, there's, there's got to be something that happened in the world at that time to inspire Honda and Kimura to write the script that they did, right? So I know other people have done a lot more research into this, so this is definitely nothing groundbreaking. But, you know, my question as we go through this is, does the context actually help, right? You know, Mm -hmm. because with some of the other movies, I say it would. We talked about Frankenstein Conquers the World. Context in that movie helped, or the context of that movie helped me enjoy it more. Um, So that's kind of what we want to discuss here. So... In 1968, uh, the Treaty on the Non-Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons was opened up. As it's brought up in Honda's biography, in the movie, we see the capitals of said nuclear states attacked, being Paris, London, Beijing, and Moscow. And then we actually see the UN headquarters destroyed by Godzilla, which I didn't recognize that. So when that was brought up, I did Google search. I'm like, oh, that's actually a very (laughs) poignant point. Um. But again, this is what I'm asking. Like, does that actually help with the movie? Right? Does that, you know, 50 years down the down the road, it it's one of those films where even before I started doing any of the studies that I did, I could tell there was something trying to be said with other films. With this one, it's kind of hard to see it, I feel like, compared to the others. Um, I mean, obviously, there was some thought put into it. Right. In the biography, and I found this was really interesting. Uh, Kimura and I agreed it would be this is Honda speaking. Kimura and I agreed it would be crazy to make each of the monsters just appear somehow. Eventually, we came up with an island on which all the monsters have been collected for scientific study. We imagined that undersea farming would be required to feed all the monsters. What would happen if that got developed on a super scale? I thought about the idea of a marine ranch. Scientifically, it would be what we now call aquaculture. From there, we started to develop the storyline. So, you know, it's it's interesting because there's a transition in themes here. Um, in other films, it seems like, and maybe that was because the American production of it, um, mm-hmm. but Japan seems pretty motivated to handle all this on their own, apart from some UN assistance. Um, the female lead, uh, Kyoko, I mean, she's portrayed as being pretty stale. Right. Mm-hmm. The most interesting plot points for her is when she's taken over by the key locks. And as soon as the earrings are ripped out, she's back to her boring self. And I felt like the protagonists were pretty aggressive towards the aliens. Mm-hmm. So with all of that being said, I mean, yes, there's obviously some context in the film. But do you feel like any of that really helps you to be like, oh, wow, there's something there that I didn't realize? Yeah, but you know, the gosh, the more I think about it, the more I kind of wonder. In again, I, I, I always preface this because if I'm saying something dumb, I want you to know. Um, but like, so this treaty, right, based on the title, means that it's a treaty where everyone's trying to agree, like, hey, we're going to cut the use of nuclear weapons, right? Yeah, for the most part, it's just making sure that there's more regulations and what's being done. Sure. So. 
it, it's interesting to me that it's nuclear radiated monsters who are attacking the capitals who want to mm-hmm. use it less. And as an American who is alive in the year of our Lord 2020, I would see that somehow. as like, somehow. Yeah, for now. <laughs> um, new, like, as an American, my lens wants to read that as like, okay, Godzilla, a nuclear nuclear created beast attacks someone who wants to tone down their nuclear usage. Like that sounds as to me as an American, it's like a warning against turning it down. Like, look what happens when you don't defend yourself. So I don't bring that up to blow anyone's minds. I just blow that up to kind of say what I'm thinking out loud, but also Mm -hmm. just say, you know, point out again, how our biases affect the way we watch these. Yeah. Um, Because I don't, totally have not been able to put together where the context adds to the movie adds to the story. Yeah. Like just to put that on the table to say like, Hey, I truly am coming to these with like not much (laughs) except um, the movie itself. So, yeah, I mean, what about, what about you? Where, where does this context help you? It doesn't. I mean, it, it makes sense that that would have been the backdrop. You know, I definitely, you know, confession, you know, I'm like a lot of people where history was not my thing in high school and middle school. I was definitely focusing on my English classes. So, I mean, I doubt this was even really taught in any of our classes anyway. But yeah, I, I obviously I did miss the fact that, you know, those specific capitals were targeted. But it's maybe I'm missing something there, but it's just I don't really see there being something that was effectively said by having the monsters attack those Mm -hmm. cities, right? I mean, I understand, you know, I mean, some of the monsters are the effect of radiation. Really, you know, I'm not going to go through every single one, but, you know, Mothra isn't the result of radiation. Rodan Mm -hmm. isn't the result of radiation. We don't even know that, you know, Manda and Kumanga, all these other ones, as far as we know, none of those are also, you know, any affected by that, right? So I sure. don't I don't even think that goes anywhere. But what I will say is in that context with the monsters attacking the cities, it is interesting though, the way that the we- the the monsters are are weaponized in this film, right? So they're easily controlled. I mean, the mm-hmm. movie wants you to revel in the destruction, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole point is yeah, you know, they they want you to come for that they want you to come for the 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 suspense of the humans trying to figure out how to stop the aliens but obviously it's the monsters that bring the people to the theater and then what happens when this is all done the monsters are just put back on the island Mm -hmm. right it's it's just so strange going from gojira and going from even godzilla raids again and rodan where these monsters are viewed as like a threat and now they're domesticated. And I don't Mm -hmm. know, like, is that because they've made peace with what's been done? Right. Is it because we're now, you know, 20 years removed from the, the bombs being dropped? Is it because Honda has now shifted the meaning of what Godzilla stands for? Right. Mm -hmm. We talked about, I was listening back to that Gamera Super Monster episode we did because the Monsters vs. Men guys are about to cover that movie. And, you know, you and I had talked about Richard Hayes where, 
you know, he argues that Paul takes Old Testament texts and they may have not been talking about Jesus explicitly, but he gives them new life. He changes the meaning and presents something that now preaches Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So is that really any different here where Godzilla started out as, you know, a a symbol for the the hubris of man and what what lengths we need to go to to, you know, work together and not do that again? It's gone from that to now he's the symbol of money for Toho, you know, like yeah. it's I don't know. I, I it's, <laughs> how do you feel about that? It, it's I'm kind of baking a thought right now. So I there's something interesting Ding. about the fact that they're just like corralled onto Monster Island, right? And mm-hmm. they're kept as like research. There's something that's like, well, we're not gonna kill them because they're they are like they're natural creatures. They're just animals. Like you don't put down a cougar every time it attacks another animal. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want Godzilla to be put down because he attacked uh, New York again. But like, it does seem kind of strange that they would just say like, "Darn, he's out. Put him back." Mm-hmm. Um, you see this a lot faster, I think, between Jurassic World and the Lost World, where the T Rex stands as this like terrifying like specter that sits over the whole movie like from the second you get on the island you've got the t-rex fossils in the foyer and then it by lost world the t-rex is like just you know it's like godzilla light what american saw godzilla was where t-rex mm-hmm. is just wrecking crap in the city and then they put put her back so she's ready to chase bryce dallas Howard and heels by the time of jurassic world Man, you just skipped Jurassic Park 3. I'm like trying to figure out what you're talking about. Here. Yeah, well, okay, what happens to Jurassic Park 3? The kid kid gets know. taken. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I haven't watched that one in so long. Yeah. But um yeah, it, it is interesting that humanity's response to Godzilla is like, well, dude's really kind of wrecked shop. Dude causes a lot of issues. Huh. Eh, just put him on an island. Nothing can go wrong there. And then yeah. when it turns out that absolutely everything can go wrong by corralling them on an island, their response is, eh, what if we put it back? <laughs> and, and the weird thing is, you know, this is set 30 years in the future, mm-hmm. right? So this is 30 years of these monsters. We don't know that they've been on the island that long, but there's definitely, I mean, doesn't seem to be any protests that the UN has done this, right? It doesn't seem to be any, yeah. you know, media pushback that the UN is doing this. So, yeah, there's definitely an acceptance of these monsters, you know. But that's, yeah, it's just, it's so strange to me that the way that these monsters were portrayed previously and now is just such a tonal shift. But again, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily Honda Right. I think we've realized like that's kind of the the shift the production studio is wanting to go. But unfortunately, you know, when you sign your name on something like it's a reflection of what you're doing. Right. So yeah. sorry, I'm I'm like having a dreamy neutron brain burst right now. Um, this could be this could be completely wrong. So I'm just going to say it as it comes out. Like, you know, we've got all these like super weapons. Like nuclear or not, these monsters aren't good. They're they're destructive. They're harmful. They're gonna hurt any city that they're clearly put out into. Right? There's a reason they're on an island and not kept at the New York City Zoo. So I wonder if maybe there's some sign like, 
hey, we're holding on to these. We're trying to study them. We're messing with them as if we're gods. And then look what happens once they get out. Just because they're contained doesn't mean they're less deadly. So I'm wondering if that's kind of something with the nuclear proliferation, like just like toning down nuclear warfare doesn't make it less deadly. Like you've got to abolish it to completely remove the threat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that, it seems to me more in line with what we've seen from Honda before with pacifism and his view on the military and the weapons. Like you can't just like contain dangerous stuff like this. Yeah. Because when you just hold it, well, it's going to get out. Someone can use it toward the wrong ends. I like that. But we don't really see that there in the end, though. Right. When they're just put back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. There's not really a uh, a warning there of like, well, this could happen again. Shame, shame. Well, I wonder if they knew that there was going to be... Uh, destroy all monsters again if there might have been at the end. But don't you think that would have been more effective, though? Being like, hey, this is the last movie. Like, if we're going to have a final thing to say, it's that you can have all of these plans and thoughts about how you're going to do this and that, you know, like, oh, we're going to try to regulate nuclear usage, but at the end of the day, there's going to be a way for it to break out. So Mm -hmm. the easiest way would be to destroy all monsters. Yeah, I mean, what what role does this title play? Was it just a cool way to get it marketed or? Yeah, I actually have no idea about that. Because when I thought when the title is Destroy All Monsters, I guess I was expecting like a Fortnite free for all where, you know, Godzilla smokes someone and then he does the Fortnite dance. Um, I don't know. Like, like I said, I'm going off the posters and the titles. I um, almost started watching. What was what's the other one with monsters in the name? Um all monsters attack. Yeah, we'll start watching that one, and it's like, wait, that doesn't sound right. I should double check. No, no. <laughs> um, but also, all monsters attack seems like a much more appropriate title for this movie, and maybe you know, destroy all monsters is more appropriate for the other one. I, I don't know what it's about, but I think it's Minya, right? Which yes. you know, people, that, people. <laughs> you know, what's funny is because people will talk down on Minya, but he's the one who delivers the death blow. The Ghidorah. I, I love that. I never recognized that as a kid. You know, but yeah, he uh he finishes it off. He has learned to fight his own battles. There's a real gospel parallel there that the son of God is the one who crushes the serpent. <laughs> ah! I hate you so much. <laughs> I'll just wait till you hear it with mine at the end. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, you know, last thoughts here, because I mean, it's guys, it's destroy all monsters. If you're a Godzilla fan, you knew we weren't going to have much. Um, <laughs> you know, what's interesting though is, you know, we're talking about Honda being a pacifist and a humanist. So, something that's really interesting for me is the role that the Keylocks play in this film. Like, this isn't the first time Honda has done a movie with aliens who come in and present a not really like a solution, but as they try to integrate themselves into the earth and try to advocate for some kind of compromise and peace. And of course the humans are like, no, no way. We know you're not really, you know, there's just, it's a sci-fi trope, right? You got the Mysterians, you got invasion Astro monster. Now we're running into this. The difference for me though, 
So the Keylocks through Kyoko are advocating for peace and prosperity for both humans and Keylocks. If this is agreed upon, then they'd release the monsters back to Monster Island. Mm-hmm. As of right now, we don't have any reason to believe them because they've already done all of the destruction, right? <laughs> but no negotiations are made. They go straight to trying to find the base to destroy the aliens or at uh-huh. least free up, you know, uh, to free the monsters and all that. So the the initial opinion is these aliens are evil. We're just going to go and kick butt and we're going to save the day. So what's interesting is this is different than Gamma vs. Virus, which was also released in the same year, a few months prior, where in that film, when the, the aliens have done their mind control on Gamera and Gamera is raging through the city, you know, they're faced with surrendering to Virus and saving the two children who were stuck on the ship, right? Or they can decide to fight back at the cost of losing the children. Mm-hmm. So the whole world versus two children, which that's a very tough ethical dilemma to be in. I don't care who you are, especially being parents, right? So the adults decide we're going to give up. Let's just surrender to the aliens. It's not worth the fight. Whereas the kids are like, y'all a bunch of biscuit heads. We're going to do this. We're going to fight. They sabotage the ship, free Gamera, the day is saved. So mm-hmm. it's interesting because, again, we see a contrast here. We're like, well, we're not going to surrender. We're going to find a way to fight. But, you know, the Keelocks make their base underneath Mount Fuji. They claim that the Earth is no longer just the humans, right? Mm-hmm. And any attempt to reclaim it will be met with force. So here's the thing. Why did the Keelocks come to the Earth? It's because they needed it to survive. They were struggling to find somewhere that would be suitable for them because they needed the high heat. Otherwise, they would die. And granted, the the scientists argue that they would live forever in the heat. But the point being is, did they have to be an enemy? Mm -hmm. Could there have been any form of peace here? Is true pacifism ever attainable in this lifetime? And what is the worth of a Keylock life? Now, we may say, David, this is a Godzilla film. Why are you reading into this? Welcome to the Kaiju Apostle. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the Kaiju Apostle podcast. You know, that's that's what we do. But in any situation where there's conflict, we now put the aggressor or whoever it is into an other category, right? Even within a marriage, it's very easy to when husband and wife or husband, husband, wife, wife, whatever, when they when they fight, it's easy to distance yourself from the other person. Mm-hmm. and view them differently. You don't view yourself as a, a unit anymore, right? And that's not necessarily intentional, but that's where that conflict changes the dynamic. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking about the way that the Keelocks were, and obviously, again, it's a fictional film, I understand that, but why was there not an attempt to actually seek peace? I mean, you know, it... I, I guess I just struggle with the fact that this movie just chooses violence, and yes... I know it's a kaiju film. I know it's a 60s science fiction kaiju film. But I struggle with that. Yeah, and it kind of makes you wonder if you... Depending on how you look at it, right? Because it's hard to say that... Why would the humans say, Oh, the Keelocks obviously come in peace. They've only captured the living dinosaurs. They've only started attacking us. Like, Yeah. But I guess maybe there's a question to be asked about, like, well... What is it about humans that made the Keelocks think that this was 
the necessary first step. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes down to it, like if you come at me as an aggressor, it's like hardwired in us evolutionarily to say, well, shoot, dude, this this person has a like in our like a gun for humans or this person has a Godzilla. Like, of course, it seems scary. And of course, they assume it's an aggressor. But like, I mean, humans, too, if you think if they just wanted to live under Mount Fuji, do they ever say like, is there a movie? Is there a part of the movie that says like, oh, it'll activate every fault line and the whole world will succumb to a big earthquake? No. Because like you think most humans would be like, oh, you just want to live in our mount. You just want to live in our volcano. I mean, it's empty. Sure. Go for it. <laughs> like We're not yeah. doing anything with the space. Go ahead. Like, it doesn't seem like there's any reason that humans, if they had come and said, hey, can we live in your mountain? I could see why, like, we would think that humans should just be like, yeah, okay. No one else lives there anyway. So do whatever you mm-hmm. want. But I guess, like, when you come controlling the monsters, why would we think otherwise? But I think part of that, I think part of that could be, if they researched the earth beforehand, they would have seen that we're a very violent people. So they're, they're going to think like, okay, for us to be able to do anything, we're going to have to take that initiative because they see that the way our world operates is through fear and power. Right. I mean, we're seeing that Mm -hmm. now politically where on both sides to make a point, you're utilizing fear. You're utilizing, you know, ways to shame people into feeling a certain way. So if the Keelocks would have studied the world up to that point, they would have seen that we think that violence works. Yeah, it's hard to think that there was ever um, a time in history that if you would have invaded and had like some omniscient view of the planet, you would have thought, oh, these guys totally hate violence. I mean, you could you could pretty much any time you'd come into history, you'd been like, well, look at this massive war that just happened. Look Mm -hmm. at this massive amount of bloodshed and destruction. So. You, I don't even want to, I want to be careful as an American to apply like imperialistic tendencies to the other, like, because we don't want to pretend everyone's an American, right? So that you can say the key- to be an American. <laughs> yeah. But like, as the Keelocks are coming in, they could be like, oh, this is how they talk. They shoot each other. Well, let's just talk the way they talk. There's no yeah. ill intent. They just see that that's what we do. Maybe they think we like it or... They would have had to do some studying, though, because they came to the earth and they disguise themselves as women. Right. True. So there would have had to have been some kind of point of reference there. Yeah. But if they wanted to be heard in the 60s, they should have come as men. So they didn't study that hard. Ooh. <laughs> Man, everything's starting to key lock into place as we talk, isn't it? Oh, Lord. Um, he can't help you now. <laughs> yeah. But no, I I guess just the where I wanted to end with this is it's, it's easy to brush it off as, again, being, well, they're the alien invaders, right? Mm-hmm. But as Christians, that's kind of where I struggle with this idea of if all humanity is made in the image of God. Again, I understand that they're Keelocks, but I'm taking this idea of we need to defend ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. So if all humanity is made in the image of God, there's not a single person that isn't, right? So we talked about that in Frankenstein Conquers the World, the idea of the death sentence and all that, or death penalty, excuse me. So it's it's easy to get behind this idea that, you know, well, we just need to defend our way of life, you know, all this. But, you know, we we also believe that, you know, this this too shall pass away. You know, everything that we see is just a vapor, right? But if 
there's an inherent worth inside of every human being, you know, that should give us, it causes us to pause for a minute before we are aggressive towards others, before we tear them down, before we sign up to go to war against them, before we put a bullet into them, right? There's obviously mm-hmm. an escalation here. Um, before we say that they are, they should be denied rights, before we say that, you know, they aren't worthy of love, before we say that, you know, they're just, you know, it's it just, I look at this film and I don't know if that was the intent, of course, but I'm like, how often do we just resort to aggression and we fight back uh, before we actually take a a step towards peacemaking, right? Not just right. peacekeeping. I mean, anyone can keep the peace because you're not even really keeping the peace, right? It's just kind of the status quo, the idea of Pax Romana. Um, yeah. But actually making peace is tough. I know that. Mm-hmm. But it works. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the difference. Peacekeeping, I mean, especially you think as Christians, what's the difference between peacekeeping and when Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talks about peacemaking, peacekeeping mm-hmm. is just saying, well, the status quo is fine. Let's keep it there. We're content keeping this where it's at. But peacemaking does involve a little bit of upending. Like you quote uh, the Roman Pax Romana, but then you think of Paul in First Thessalonians says they'll be saying there's peace and security when there's really mm-hmm. chaos and destruction. Like peacekeepers, when we just try and keep everything level, usually kind of allow evil to kind of have its way. But there's peacemaking that says we need to, we need to actively diffuse tensions. We need to actively work toward making this work for everyone, respecting where everyone comes from. It starts at the same spot. Rather than just saying, well, gosh, I hate it when you fight. It makes me so, feel so icky when you guys fight. But peacemaking is like, no, it sucks when you fight because you're actively harming one another and you're devaluing each other. So what can we do to put you on a better, more equal standing here? So I just, I keep thinking back. um, You're familiar with Ronald Sider, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so his book, Nonviolent Action, What Christian Ethics Demands, But Most Christians Have Never Really Tried. In there, he he talks about these different countries that have gone through like civil unrest and government, you know, you're talking about government, like upending and stuff like that. And how people, and mostly it's, I wouldn't say surprisingly, maybe it was for me at the time surprising, uh, mostly women who would find ways to protest but it would be nonviolently. A lot of times mm-hmm. it dealt with nudity um, because there's nothing more unnerving for a soldier than a bunch of naked women walking at you and all of a sudden you're like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that, I think, what, what up in, uh, uh, in Portland. Portland here recently. Yeah. yeah. And obviously I'm not trying to elevate the white woman protesting <laughs> over anyone else, but it, it's yeah. effective. That idea is effective. So... The idea of peacemaking, it's it's controversial because mm-hmm. you're choosing a different way. But th- I think that's the thing where, you know, I, I've thought about like the original movie, right? So you have Dr. Sarazawa. He, he looks at a dilemma and he decides that he's going to give up his own life to stop Godzilla. Mm-hmm. That is peacemaking because there is very clearly a threat. And he gave up his own life to stop that threat or what he thought would be. 
And mm-hmm. of course, the studio machine needed more money. So Godzilla came back to life. But at that time, he ended that conflict and he made peace by giving up his life. So that's kind of my challenge is when we watch these films, thinking about like, well, how could they have handled this differently, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it wouldn't have been a blockbuster, but in our own lives, lives, yeah, in our own lives, when we have people who come against us, when we have people who try to seek harm, um, as that will happen, what do we do? Do we choose to fight fire with fire? Do we demand eye for an eye? Or do we take a page from Paul and overcome evil with good? Mm-hmm. And and just one more like quick thought with in the in the first one, sacrificing himself to stop Godzilla. It's not just Godzilla that stopped. Like the intent was to also take out the oxygen oxygen destroyer too. You can't say it either. <laughs> so so like peacemaking, I mean peacekeeping would be killing Godzilla and just Godzilla. But peacemaking is the destruction of both Godzilla and the oxygen destroyer. And of course, you know, you get to the second one and it's not quite destroyed, but no, and he's quite a bit uglier too. I mean, I mean, just just to make a quick crass point to take all this good stuff and bring it smack back to the level of Twitter discourse. Um, we have seen where movies get a pacifist ending and then the next one rejects it pretty op- openly, right? And mm-hmm. that was Last Jedi to Rise of Skywalker, Luke's non-aggressive fight against Kylo on crate. And then Ray and her lightsabers destroying Sheev. Like we we as viewers can't and, and I, I don't bring that up just to say like, hey, Star Wars. I bring that up to say like why do we as a mass audience feel the need to reject pacifism normally? Or if it's given to us, why do we have to like quickly unwrite that? Mm-hmm. And I think like that part of your challenge for us to think about ourselves means how do we think about like even the media we desire? the media we consume and why do we feel so uncomfortable when the media challenges us like Godzilla and Star Wars both have such incredible abilities to challenge us but to make a quick buck and to make us feel comfortable they won't so how are we as audiences contributing to that and how can we create a more just less violent society that would take movies that accept um the aliens and say hey move into our vacant mountain instead of you know let's go to the moon and destroy you <laughs> you bunch of slugs bunch of slugs just salt them. oh assault them dang it ah uh, so i will say i do feel like honda and kimura tried right again yeah. they're beholden to the studio machine they did what they could but I do find that the next movie we're going to discuss, All Monsters Attack, he does do a better job at trying to get his message across. So next time, we have Eric Neely of Monsters vs. Men joining us for the All Monsters Attack Redemption episode. Yeah, you can't say that against Minya uh, and expect to get away with it. Well, Eric is not as hard on this movie as Alex is, but when they first... He is just a baby. 
But when they first reviewed it, he definitely was not uh, as favorable as probably I would be. But he has some really good points. We've talked about it a lot since then. And that's why I felt like he would be... Actually, we've only got a few Eric's that listen to us, so I think we can handle them. (laughs) So... A hundred Godzilla-sized Eric's or one Eric-sized Godzilla? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, oh man, that's a funny thought. But that's why I felt like he would be a good guest for this because he's got some really good thoughts. We'll get into, you know, does the movie effectively convey Honda's message or does the execution kind of keep it from being as effective? Um, Sure. And on that note, speaking of good thoughts, I still have my good thought I need to share. Tying this to theology, right? So yeah, you know, but the, first, but first, 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 first. Oh no, we're gonna talk about our Glenn casting. Oh yeah, man, that would actually be a cool podcast name, <laughs> the Glenn Casters. Um, it's our Superstore podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I've never watched that show. I've only seen the commercials. Oh, on Hulu. it's actually kind of funny if you've ever yeah. worked a retail show or job. <laughs> no, I've never worked a retail show, but oh, I did weird. work at Target. <laughs> so. I'm going to go that very stereotypical route and I'm going to be able to hear people groan. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yeah. You're going to hear people groan because of that? Yeah, I just, I feel like, I don't know. I actually really like Ryan Reynolds. I think he's a very versatile actor. Actually, so I've never seen the Deadpool movies, but I thought he was hilarious. Then what could you possibly know him from? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I thought he was hilarious in Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, he was actually my favorite character in that movie. I thought he did a really good job. Um, I'm one of the few people that didn't hate X-Men Wolverine, the origin movie. Um, I know. It's not great, but I didn't hate it. But yeah, that's the thing. Before fair. they sewed him shut, he was a great great Deadpool. So I'm fine. That obviously helped him get his job. Right. But just overall, I just feel like he's a very versatile actor. I feel like he would be able to be serious when he needed to be serious. He'd be able to be charming and suave and funny. So I'm just like, round world. Sure. Why not? Hmm. Hmm. What about you? Oh, you know, what's his name from Arrested Development? Michael Sarah's dad. Jason Bateman? Yeah. Have you seen Ozarks? No, I have not. He can he can do he can do the drama pretty well, but also yeah. the humor. Like he's See, a little older than Ryan Reynolds. He looks older, but yeah, we um, just we don't really have pretty. we don't really have that. Like when I think of Nick Adams, I think of a younger John Wayne, right? Just that very American typecast actor. But he did such a good job in this movie, so I'm I'm fine with it. But then I'm yeah. also like Hugh Jackman would be a cool Glenn too. I'm just gonna I'm gonna do all these X Men. <laughs> we're just gonna actors. keep listing. We're gonna just keep listing white men in their 40s that we've seen in a movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, Jason Bateman. Watch. Don't watch all of those arcs. It's definitely not your. It's not your type of show. I I'm not gonna pretend it is. Yeah. But if you just watch a scene and see the way he can do, he can do both a little, pretty well. No, I believe it. I believe it. So I'm, I'm I'd advocate for him to be in some some kind of capacity like that. Yeah. Oh, especially especially if you're gonna bank so much on Brian Cranston and then Power Rangers gives him a bigger role. Like 
you want someone who can do humor. He Jason Bateman fits the contemporary Godzilla movies. I say that having seen one of the three of them. So. Sorry, I was looking at my movie shelf and seeing if I was missing someone and I'm not. So, all right. Here's your chance. And there hasn't been that many. No, I'm just saying thinking movies and actors and yeah, I can't go with anyone. So if you haven't stopped listening yet, uh, Chris, what are your your prolific prophetic thoughts for us before we end? Just thinking of like, you know, the book of Daniel, how the second half is the visionary with the with the different beasts who attack the holy people. And each monster is itself a different beast, which stands for a different nuclear nation. And then in the end, you've got the three headed uh, serpent, which is the dragon of Revelation. And then Uh, even in Revelation, you've got the composite beast and it takes the son of God to crush these beasts who have risen up against God's holy people. So really, Minya is the lamb who was slain. (laughs) (laughs) Jason Statham. Oh, yeah, he's um, <laughs> I know who he is. Couldn't tell you what he's been in. Generic action movie three. Snatch, I haven't seen any of Fast and Furious. Yeah. Is he in those? He's he's in those. A few of them. Snatch, though. That'd be really that's a good movie. We All should right. just CG recreate Paul Bettany to play this guy. Play Glenn. Whew. Okay, guys. <laughs> uh, thank you again, everyone, for tuning in to the Kaiju Apostle podcast. If you tolerated what you heard, if you have a comment you'd like to share or God, anything else run through your head, make sure to let us know over at our Twitter page because our Instagram page as of this episode will be deleted. Uh, our handle on Twitter is Kaiju Apostle Pod, or you can send us an email at contact at the I will say I did get a few prayer requests on there, but the email had not been working for a few weeks. So if, you had sent one in. I do have it now. And we will be praying for you guys. Um, make <laughs> so sure like to follow- update it if it's old. <laughs> <laughs> um, make sure to follow Chris and his thoughts on uh, Sentai over at Chris Worms on Twitter. What are you watching now, Chris? Uh, Ultraman Z. And, you know, I saw your tweet about the recent episode, episode six with Jeed. And how it was completely incomprehensible to me who had seen zero episodes of Ultraman before. Uh, but that was pretty fun. But also I'm watching, I said I was going to do uh, Kaku Ranger, but I skipped a few seasons and went to Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger, which is a parody of the Sentai series. Huh. And it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, you know, everyone has that ugly laugh that you do when you're by yourself and something makes you like laugh. Mm-hmm. The one that you're super... Sol- I've done that so many times watching Car Ranger. That's awesome. Lastly, since there are a lot of Godzilla podcasts out there these days, it would mean the world to us. If you do enjoy the show, please leave a review over on iTunes to help us get higher on the charts so more people can find out about us. We're actually in the top 100, apparently, of film review podcasts. Whoa. Okay. So that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. I I was surprised about that. So... Thank Gosh, you, we have everyone. to get over the Mean Girls podcast yeah. that I'm assuming exists. That that or Chartables is just lying to us. So either way, <laughs> we appreciate the support. But until next time, may Mothra watch over you, Godzilla empower you, and Minya bring you joy. Mm-hmm.
And then I paid for that, said, it's sadly one of my least favorite Godzilla films. I just noticed he spelled favorite with a U. I wonder if he's from Canada. Mostly because <laughs> of the complete lack of personality in any of the human characters. The spectacle of the film is impressive, but I'll take in bash. <laughs> You'll take what? <laughs> oh, I'm leaving that for the end. Okay. 